Yeah. Wait until you hear yourself back. It's kind of weird the first time you hear yourself speaking. You're like, whoa, do I really sound like that? I know. I feel like I sound like a 12-year-old child, but I don't know. My no, you young don't. Voice. You, sound, you <laughs> sound like a, you know, a young woman. I think you sound like a normal age to be sitting here and drinking wine on our podcast. It feels you. very grown up, doesn't it? The yeah. <laughs> it's very consensual. Everybody, she's not underage. It's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity, culture, and inspiration and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Alex Adams, also known as Ms. Darling. Hello. Hello. Today, we're speaking with Renee Baltov, who I think is kind of amazing. Uh, Renee is not one of, the, one of the most successful people I know, but also one of the most humble. In fact, I noticed on LinkedIn, your humble headline just says, Marketing Director. Uh, but I think you've built a stellar career in FMCG, uh, a lot of corporate work there, but also is the founder and entrepreneur behind The Barberhood. Uh, so say hello, Renee, and tell Hi. us a little bit about yourself. Oh, wow. That was a really, that was a really big lovely question, right? intro. And I actually, I don't know, started blushing when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I, we are good friends. It's nice for you to have me here. So tell us about, let's start where I met you, which was yeah. in the big, bad marketing world. Yes. Tell us about the marketing job that all the kids dream about. Uh, well, <laughs> I had a, like a, I had the job that most people study for at university. Yeah. So I went to work for big companies. So I worked for Nestle, Colgate, big FMCG companies. And to be honest, they're amazing companies. Um, and I'm so fortunate to be lucky enough to have worked for them because what they do is they give you really good grounding. Um and you learn the textbook stuff that a lot of other marketing jobs don't give you because right. they have big budgets and you get to work on all the really cool stuff you learn at university. So I, um, I went to work for Nestle straight out of university, which was amazing. Um, I worked on Milo, which is a very famous brand yeah, in Australia. Yeah, one of the biggest. Um, and I got to make lots of TV commercials, lots of radio commercials back when those types of media were like the the best, you know, print. Yeah. Um, and so you do things, you learn things the right way. And I think it just gave me really solid grounding for the rest of my career. Um, and the other thing about those companies, they hire really lovely, smart people. So you're in, you're in a, like this hub of smart, intelligent, kind people. Really? And it's it's just a nice environment to sort of grow up in when you're learning. Um, but I was always a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> and tried to push a lot of boundaries. So I actually found myself in a lot of new product development roles where you're trying to do something different because right. those companies, a lot of – they're safe. Um, and so a lot of things don't sort of get up when you're doing new product development. So you can say, I've thought of this really amazing idea – and they're like, yep, it's really amazing, but it's not for us because it's it kind of doesn't really fit in the mold. So I kind of always struggled with that. Right. And then I've just always had a love for fashion. So I, I don't know why, but I just looked for fashion jobs when I'd sort of hit that area where I thought I'd had enough of FMCG. And so I had a couple of fashion roles, mainly in men's fashion which is really eye-opening because it's completely different from FMCG. So there's no processes, there's 
Um, it's fast. There's no, um, there's not a lot of, uh, what's the right word? Corporate etiquette. Let's <laughs> say. <laughs> so I'd be sitting in meetings. So I've come from a very professional place where quite buttoned down yeah right? like it, it's corporate marketing in that's right and then you go to this place where people are like swearing and <laughs> and i was like wow this is not what i'm used to but it was also really good in a way because it was a, it was it rounded my skills in a, a different area so i had to work with um a different type of marketing beast yeah. in a way so um a lot of kind of thinking on your feet Retail is in a crazy environment at the moment. Like it's in a crazy state because online sort of I, – I worked in fashion when online was sort of growing. Um, so I think a lot of stores like bricks and mortar stores are not sure what, you know, what to do about online. Yep. So I've had a really um, varied career in terms of marketing. Like the first part of my career was – a solid foundation. The second was probably a little bit more about um, fashion and sure. learning more about fast retail type fashion. Um, and taking, and, sorry, go on. And looking at you now, I mean, one thing that listeners can't see is you, I could never imagine you working at a company, company night like Nestle. I mean, you are like so fashionable. Yeah. You're wearing this incredible like 80s style leather jacket. You've got like amazing hair, beautiful earrings that like, you just look so fashion. So <laughs> it was an almost like this light bulb moment where you went, oh, thank you for the foundations, Nestle, but I found my people. Um, I don't know. I just not. Lots of people say that, but I'm just, I don't know. I've always just been like this or it doesn't make, it's not really, it's normal to me, I guess. But I used to really struggle with the dress code. <laughs> so I try to push it every day. I like going, I'm like, maybe I'll just wear these socks that are not appropriate for work. You had a sock code? <laughs> well, they'd have like no loud. Really? Like, like one day I wore a t-shirt, which is not allowed, but with a skirt. You can't heels. wear a t-shirt? Well, because it's not corporate. So if I was going to meet like a, I don't know, I don't know. It's not, there was a corporate dress code where you had to sort of wear a button down shirt or. A blouse. Yeah. A a sensible (laughs) blouse. So I I ended up wearing this cool t-shirt, but I had a um, corporate skirt on and and like crazy stockings. And I can remember walking in and people were like, I don't think that's appropriate, but no one's going to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I got away with it today. But it's like just pushing the boundaries in the corporate world yeah, in terms so, of fashion. Yeah, and like I think that's good. Like I remember someone saying, I'm really excited to see what you're going to wear tomorrow. Really? <laughs> I was just like, oh, thanks. Not what new product you're going to develop for my <laughs> yeah. what, you got, what kind of crazy stockings are you wearing tomorrow? Yeah. So wait, so your parents have barbershops in Queensland? Yes. Yes. And yeah. then so you're working in the fashion industry and then how do you end up working – how do you end up owning barbershops in Sydney? Well, um, I thought about this and I was like, <laughs> I feel know. like I should say I had some amazing, great plan, but I knew from the moment that I was, you know, working for these companies that eventually one day I would own my own business and I was actually looking through my computer recently and there were about – 15 business plans from really? <laughs> yeah, wow. from when I started working to now on different things. Like one of them was a surf wax business for girls <laughs> when I was really into surfing. So I was like, there's no, they're all 
surf brands that have terrible male names know, like for Mrs. surf. Palmer's, I know. I'm like, like really sexist names. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. Life. Yeah, and I was like, this is oh, so Palmer's. not cool. What were you going to call your lady wax? I didn't get <laughs> <laughs> the Brazilian. <laughs> Shut up. That's such a no lady wax. I know. Brazil- yeah, no? I get it. No? I just am not uh, all right, entertaining fine. it. I don't know. When I launched get, Brazilian I like lady wax is the name. Lady wax. Why don't you call lady wax? Um, but yeah, it was really weird. I always obviously had it bubbling in the background. Um, and I got to a point where I was like, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. I hadn't, um, had children or anything like that. So I was like, I'm, if I don't try now, I'm not going to do it. So I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I just did it. (laughs) It was scary though. It was like, it didn't, it didn't just like I didn't just wake up the next day and quit my job and I planned it like so I'd made some um decisions about managing the risk which I think you have to do some people like quit completely and then <laughs> which is can work for mean? some people but <laughs> I I personally was too scared to do that and like lots of people ask me that question a, a lot um whether I kept working and then um, decided so yes I did but in hindsight I sh- probably should have just quit and went for it because it turned out really um, well for me in 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 hindsight I guess um, so look, looking at that because I never knew your mum actually owned a salon yeah so is it but also I knew how involved with men's fashion you were I think that after because as I said the other day, I can't. We can't. We both can't remember if we worked together or not <laughs> when I was at an agency. Yeah. Um, getting into men's fashion was it a specific choice to get into men's fashion or fashion in general before the barberhood? Yeah. So what? So it was at my FMCG job, mm-hmm. and then I decided that I wanted to travel. So I took a year off and I travelled around the world, which is probably the best thing that could ever I could ever have done because it changed. Like I got to solidify who I was as a person like when you're traveling you you don't have like a job behind you in a way so you kind of end up just being yourself which is really good um and I was really shy like and I still am a little bit shy but (laughs) I I was it's really good because it's scary and and you kind of work out you know who you are I came back and I got a um another FMCG job and I was like I could see in all the categories and all the jobs that I had worked men's was always pretty static Mm. Um, and then recently <clears throat> I could see that, that section of the market starting to, to grow in terms of dollars spent. So I could see that men's grooming was, I was working in personal care at Colgate when I saw that. I could see men's grooming was climbing. And then when I, I got approached for the fashion job, so I launched a, a brand called TM Lewin into Sydney. It was a global really? brand. Wow. Yeah, and so I spent two years doing that and it went nuts for the first couple of years and I could just see I think you know the globalization like the internet has changed things a lot with men being able to see what's happening in Europe so social media like Instagram and stuff you can see what's happening in other countries really easily now so men became a lot more fashionable very quickly Mm. and so I could see the product grooming stuff growing and I could see when I was in um the men's fashion brands, I could see them just paying so much more attention to how they looked Mm. and the jumps in the numbers were significant. So I was like, this is a really, this industry that's taking off. And if you think back, 
um, you won't hear, but if you think back to maybe five years ago, the number of barbershops that were around were not that, there weren't that mm. many, but they've popped up. There's so many that have popped up. Yeah, there are a lot. Yeah, so... Um, Did they all get the same report? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, no, I don't think so, but I think a few opened, so I was one of the first to mm. open, um, and we did things differently to the normal barbershop. Um, but my family business, my my mum had, she was onto this trend like 10 years ago, but she was way ahead of her time. So I could see I had the, the product knowledge from like the FMCG stuff. I had the fashion knowledge from um, the the fashion jobs. And then I could see that hairdressing and grooming was really taking off. So I guess all three industries were doing the same things as a pattern. Um, and I just remember going, look, if this doesn't work out, then at least I've got industry knowledge from my parents to you know fall back on and I just put all those three things together and went for it and it it um it created the bubblehood so and I just never expected it to be what it is yeah. today like I just thought I'd open a little barber <coughs> shop and it would you know I'd all I wanted to do was just make the same wage that I had in, in my previous role and and be my own boss and they were my only two goals so I have two really, so actually, and a quick shout out for somebody who, so I, I love hair. Anyone who's <laughs> who met doesn't? me know I speak about it at length. Uh, and I do apologize to my old barber, Roger Ryan. He actually was the first interview for this. Alex, I know you've heard this, but for me, that connection between barbering and creativity was one of the reasons that I really wanted to start this. Mm-hmm. Um and it was really interesting what you were saying before, like men starting to take care of themselves because of things like social media. What's kind of been the what's been the biggest surprise for you with men and their hair and their grooming overall? Um, well, one thing that I've really noticed is so men's grooming and um, the conversation that men will have a, about their grooming isn't something that they would will do on social media. So. Because they're kind of shy, like men are kind of shy about. Well, it's it's like you're not meant to be. Vain. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one of my friends who, when I get a haircut from Brian, I'm like, "Hey, thanks, Brian." I think even Brian thinks it's really weird. Sorry, <laughs> Again, Brian. I wish that the readers, no, could, the listeners, could see you because you just got the sharpest haircut ever. Yeah, I went a bit adventurous. Yeah, it's pretty today. amazing. We could show, we'll put that on Instagram. Yeah. You've got a really good haircut going. But on. like for me, like so, one of the first things I asked my old barber, Roger, is like. You know, when girls get a haircut, and I know you do this, it's like, like short hair, don't care. And like boys are like, there's two inches. Well, they don't even know it's two inches. It's like, it looks the same. And he, he had this really good insight. He's like, well, your hair is so personal. It's what yeah. you look at every day. And he's like, for women, like, he's like, every time, because he used to work in these beautiful salons. He's like, mm-hmm. it was, he's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's broad brush. He's like, but if it was a breakup, a big life event. It was about hair had to change to reflect those things. Yeah. And for me, when I'm stressed, I will go and get a haircut. Yeah. So when I looked at starting the barberhood, I um I did do it the way that I would have done it launching any new product. So there are three main things that I like themes that came through when I was investigating what men um, wanted. So one of them <laughs> was good title for a movie. <laughs> yeah, was um like convenience and and work so you know a job interview or a you know a big meeting um so that's one reason 
The other reason was timeout and relaxation. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go there, like we get a lot of guys come in that are just, you know, a lot of lawyers come in actually at the end of the day and they go back to work, but they come in for like a lather shave or a wet shave or they come in for a haircut and then go back to work because it's just 30 minutes of relaxation time where they don't have to talk. They get all the products put all over their face you know, or, the, or the hair. And so it's a relaxation and, and timeout. And the third thing that was really surprising, and it's kind of where the name for the, the store um popped up from is a sense of belonging yeah and that was really surprising for me because men you don't really well I'm not sure you you as a man might feel that but like I didn't think it would be such a strong territory that they would um, respond to so those three things were the things that I sort of based the branding on um, and the belonging theme comes through every single day in the store so I will like I will see the guys coming in and speaking like to their barbers and like they, what that barber says to them is kind of like gold almost. Like we had a guy come in recently and his regular barber wasn't there and he almost went into a meltdown because <laughs> he didn't have him oh, yeah. to talk about um, one to do the the haircut that he always gets because it's it's hard you kind of explain yourself once and like they're like I've done this now he knows what I want <laughs> I gave him the brief <laughs> trust um but also there's this whole other side of things that is almost like a when you say brotherhood it's not the uncool brotherhood but the, the nice brotherhood where they where you like I'll come into the shop some days and there'll be all of the chairs full the guys will be cutting and sometimes the barber will be talking to an like Barbara in the other chair and then the other two will like the two clients will be talking to each other and it's just like this hum of um belong like yeah. togetherness and it's really quite nice and I, that's why I think the store does well because what I'm fascinated by is that because men don't have the same conversations with each other that you would expect them to have no. it is incredibly indirect it has to be a safe space if you're getting your hair cut, you're never meant to look at anyone. Yeah. You're meant to just stare at yourself. And that's the thing I've always noticed is, you know, especially with Brian, like I can kind of have a conversation with him now. It doesn't matter if we don't say anything as well. Like it's like that comfortable silence idea. Yeah, but it right. is it is that environment where you're like, you feel safe enough to kind of talk to the guy next to you, which is which is very unusual. Like I was at a pub last night. Um, it's not like I'm a raging alcoholic. <laughs> it's okay. Just, yeah, I just built the beard. <laughs> just the beard. But like I wouldn't talk to anyone at that bar. Because I'm like, they're going to think I'm really unusual and like kind of encroaching on their space. It's like the total opposite of going to a hair salon for a chick. It's just like my hairdresser knows everything, you know, and you get all the goss from the hairdresser and you read all the trashy magazines and then you start talking to everyone around you and maybe it's just something to do with hair. It brings it out. I think think it is. And I think it comes back to this person. It's very personal. Like, And I think it's, it's a lot to do with it's connected to you it's your dna it's your life experience yeah but that's how much i think about hair sometimes in in saying that though um there are a couple of things that i i sort of knew like it, it is quite uncomfortable for men to look at somebody else while they're getting their hair done so a lot of the store design has um taken that into account so Usually at a barbershop you'll see those straight bays where everyone's kind of sitting beside each other and it's really open. Um, and the stores that we have, we've got, they're, it's still open but they're almost cubicle. So um, that the, the space feels really safe. So if you don't want to talk to someone beside you, you're not completely out in the open. But if you do, then you, then you can. So that's um, 
really important in terms of the the design of the store and the other thing is all the retail is at the front of the store where the windows are so that men are not like in the window getting their hair cut because who really wants to be sitting yeah. there while people are walking past so i've seen a few shops that have that and i'm like it's not really it, um, they're selling the wrong piece yeah like a couple of things you've said like you are selling confidence to a guy it's fucking cliche as that sounds sorry i had some photos there i actually took of today um but you're also selling yeah that confrontational experience and you've got a herringbone setup which for anyone who's flown business class yeah. that is the perfect privacy because it means you can have individual seating but full access yeah yeah and i think it's also something around even like the wood you've chosen even around the the, the cabinets and the glass it, it feels masculine without feeling like a den yeah which i think is a really hard balance to kind of strike yeah that's true it's i or i tried to go for warm and stylish but not dark and then like yeah you don't want sense. it dark yeah. and brooding like yeah. some you know teenager's room you want it adult enough but it still yeah, feels like exactly. a safe space the other thing i really wanted was masculinity to come through because if, if i mean i love going the hairdresser <laughs> as a female it's amazing to have like a you know like a feminine hairdressing salon but for men there when i looked at the store design there wasn't a lot of um, hairdressing salons that are specifically designed for men to go to. So the store design behind the barber hood, like I spent a lot of time and actually a lot of money on getting that right. And it's the number one compliment outside of the haircuts that we get is the actual store design. Um, and it makes me feel proud that I actually invested the money into it because I don't think a lot of um, other, I mean, it costs money and it's it's hard to, to take a risk on such like expensive fit outs when you're not sure if you're going to make it back. But I just, yeah, yeah, I just went for it and I'm glad that I did. I haven't been. Can you get scotch? You drink? You can get scotch. Because I just feel like that would be like the epitome (laughs) of going in. And so what's next? I mean, you've got two barber shops. Yeah, 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 you've got two barber hoods. Um, What next? Um, So I don't think we're quite done with the – the expansion of the actual stores. Um, so we'll probably look <coughs> at expanding the actual physical stores. Um, but I think, so that will continue to grow um, without losing the um, authenticity of what it is in the customer service. So I don't want to open up a heap and then lose that um, experience by having too many stores. So we'll probably grow the barberhood locations uh slowly but making sure that you know it continues to grow um but i am starting to look online and to look at the digital side of things and um i was thinking about this today and i what came what i was thinking about was the online piece is sort of a natural next step but i want it to i want it to be so that it enhances what already exists and not overtakes what already exists. So I I think a lot of people come to the store because it is slightly old fashioned in a way. So you have a receptionist that will take your um, booking or you can call up or you'll have someone explain something to you um, or you'll, you know, you'll go in and have conversation with the barber and we do a traditional shave and we have all those things. So I think that retail customer experience is really important and that the digital side of things should only enhance that but not overtake it. So I'm looking at that at the moment. 
Yeah, because it, it was interesting what you said at the very start was you and, and again, that's where we kind of started our our friendship was like understanding the impact of digital on bricks and mortar. Mm-hmm. And you have opened the most bricks and mortar thing there is yeah. because you can't get your hair cut virtually. That's right. Um, Not yet anyway. So in the big scheme of things and what Alex and I were talking about, even even on Saturday when we were doing another episode, we're talking about like what as a, as a creative, because that's essentially what you've done is mm-hmm. created and made all these different things, you know, it, obviously from an FMC marketing background. What what is kind of your process or your because you're incredibly methodical mm-hmm. and that is definitely from that big corporate FMCG background. But what 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 kind of inspires you to do it? Like the thing that I was going to ask before, but I didn't know if it was the right time. Is how does this? Are you influenced by the men around you in your life? Like is it your father, your partner, or somebody like that, mm-hmm. or you know your friends and family? And and do those things kind of come at a crossroad, or was that male kind of? Uh, category purely like a a business one um a little bit of both um probably at the start but right now when I'm looking at things I probably like there's a couple of things that drive what I do one I never want to be the same as anyone else (laughs) (laughs) so even though like a barbershop is a barbershop I just it doesn't have to be so different from what normally exists I think just a little bit different or a little bit um either forward thinking or or traditional yeah (laughs) um so I think one of the reasons why it's doing well is that the basics have been covered um well I think so good basic marketing principles good price good location good people (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get too technical but I think sometimes people can overcomplicate things way too much and if you just focus on the core reasons and stay really true to what you you know what you set at the beginning then and if that's a good method for success and you should just stick to it like like I've done a lot of thinking about, you know, digital and strategy and all that sort of stuff and I keep coming back to I'm I think I should just stay on the path that I'm on right now. I wanted to say something like we're going to do all this really cool stuff, but I think staying focused on on what is working is a good thing to do. Yeah. Um I think a lot of businesses they get some success and then start to kind of lose focus and then that's kind of when you end up in trouble yeah um not all businesses but that's you know for me i'm probably gonna stick to being methodical but then at the same time if i do start something new i always want to be the tiniest little bit different and do things that are um that probably exist have been tried and tested elsewhere but maybe not here so i recently went to japan and had a look at you know (laughs) their (laughs) their products or um, you know, there are countries that are doing like things that have, you know, that are really cool. And I was like, well, that's not here yet. So sometimes you don't need to really completely make up something new, but, um, it's good to see what, you know, other, other cultures or other countries are doing and then try it, you know, and that's kind of probably what I would do just to, that's the way that I've been taught how to do things yeah. and it's kind of worked for me now. So um there's that and then there's you know there's other things like I saw this amazing vending machine in <laughs> in the Shinjuku station or something and like that hasn't it was crazy and I was like I just need to have that I need what to get it? it it just it was awesome it had like an app attached to it and you could put your credit card in and 
it just had pictures you couldn't even see the products but you could you know find out all about what what was in it I think it was just drinks but just the the delivery of how how it was I was like I just want one of those I've been trying to talk to these Japanese (laughs) vending machine makers with no luck at the moment but um yeah so sometimes when the risk is low go for something like I would go for something a bit crazy but then when the risk is a bit higher and you're putting like your house on the line (laughs) then probably do it calculated yeah risk yeah advice so it's not very exciting, but I feel like it's solid. No, but this comes back to what we were talking about, you know, over and over again. It's like we come from the generation of you can do whatever you want, you know, just do it, like take a risk, quit everything. And I think you had a really good point of like it, it is that balanced measure of planning versus creativity versus kind of the mitigation of that risk sort of thing. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a couple of things, like creating an idea and then making it. Right? Yeah, like absolutely. Actually doing it. Do you like that? I like that. We can, we can, yeah. But I think, <laughs> I think that's, that's the point, right? You created an idea and then how do you put that into practice? Yeah, exactly. And like you don't have to be – like if an idea already exists and you want to do a different version of it, you don't have to be boring. You can do it like in a really, you know, new way. So like barbershops have existed for – like years and years, but to do yeah. a barbershop is different. Like I still got to use my creativity and develop something that hadn't existed before in terms of the brand. So, Well, yeah, yeah. it was really interesting uh, and I will release this, I promise, one day, but the original interview I did uh, with Roger, he went through the history of barbering. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so like just understanding the barber's pole yeah. and where that came from mm. and instruments, length of coats and literacy, like he really gets into it. Yeah. Um, Final question from me, and then I don't know if you've got another question as well. But in the background of all this, yes. you're a brand new mum, yes. which I think is amazing. <laughs> I, I didn't even realise until I got back to Australia that that it all happened. That's because I didn't tell anyone. I know, which I thought was <laughs> you didn't am- tell anyone? No. You an overshare on Facebook? <laughs> no, I'd not. And it's the cutest little baby in the world. Like how, what was that like? You know, what was the advice you were given? Like, um, you know, being a new mum, being pregnant, obviously, with those things. Because it seemed to me like you hadn't really taken a break, and I, I think I what I what I sense all the time is there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on what being a mum is about at the moment. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I I think maybe that we've even had discuss, discuss discussion before around the expectations and the pressure kind of put on the mum figure at the moment, especially if you're in your own business, is yeah. is exceptional. Yeah, because everyone's expecting you to be this crazy like woman that can do everything because that's what women want right now right so it's just not that easy um to do everything all at once so you can do everything but just not all at once mm. um and that's something I really struggled with so I'm like today even I was like I need like my daughter is sick at the moment so I was like I really need to do I had to do an interview I had to prepare for um some stuff I need to do at the end of the week in terms of supplier stuff and then she was sick and I was like I actually have to prioritise her over everything. So, and it's terribly frustrating in one way, but at the same time when I'm making sure that she's okay and she looks at me and she's like, thank you for looking after me. It just just makes it all go up. (laughs) Your ovaries hurting. (laughs) And I was saying before, I've never really been, um, and I think a lot of, I mean, there's lots of, different types of women but a lot of my friends and I can only speak for the for the 
woman that I am are kind of scared because they want to have a career and then they want to have babies because they think they should have babies and if some people don't want babies then that's okay but it's just it's hard to and this pressure like from everywhere so the moment you say that you're pregnant like everyone is giving you all this feedback and you're just like I'm struggling with even (laughs) working out how I'm going to do all of this but I think um like it's you kind of just work it out like you would work it like you know say you got fired from your job you'd end up working it out or yeah I mean a human is a little bit differently but you (laughs) (laughs) but you still you kind of work it out and you just make things work and you do because you have to and um it's the most awesome thing that's ever happened and the things that I thought I would really worry about being like I thought my social life would be shot which you know I'm a social person and I thought my career would be stunted and I'm driven so I I've had to kind of readjust in the last year but I thought I would resent it and in actual fact which I wasn't expecting I was like I'm resenting the fact that I can't spend more time with her, which I didn't ever think that I would <laughs> think. So, like, I'm oh, wow. surprised by some of the things and feelings that I've I've had having yeah. a baby, um, and it's really nice because it, you realise you're hum- you're human. And um, but then, don't get me wrong, there are days where I'm just like, <laughs> this is awesome to be invited here and have wine. And I said when I got in here, it's so quiet in here. <laughs> so I think you kind of just. You know, and I'm lucky. I've got a really good little baby. Like, she's well-behaved. So I've heard some other mums are, you know, they, their kids don't sleep and I can sit here and say how awesome she is. But like, it could be I could have another child and she could be a little rat bag and it might not be as – it's not that it's easy, but, like, it might not be as um, – well, what's the word? Enjoyable. Enjoyable, yeah. So, so yeah, like it's it's hard. Like you have to juggle all the time and like the amount of times, like I'm very organised, the amount of times <laughs> that I have forgotten my keys I is crazy. I <laughs> I was like, no, not my keys. My keys or just basic things that I would have n- never have sort of done before. Has, that stuff's kind of frustrating but in the, at the end of the day it's pretty cool because you have this awesome little human that, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I it's um it's different and it's it's hard and it's also completely rewarding. So I'm sure any mum will tell you, any parent will tell you that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and telling us a little bit more about your world and what Thanks. you're creating. Um for people who wanna find out a little bit more about the Barberhood, um, what's your Instagram handle? Um, it's at the underscore barberhood. Um, yeah, so you, and if you actually want to come and see you in real life, yeah, just, you um, can. We're about to your shops. You can come in um, to the Martin Place store, so it's in right in front of the waterfall in Martin Place, mm. um, or the Spring Street store. Um, yeah, we can call me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll reply. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone, for spending a little bit of time with us today. If you want to share your own creativity with us, drop us a line at our Facebook group, Maker and Creator Podcast, or you can uh, tweet myself or Jai. You can tweet or Instagram Jai at, at Jai Smith or at Double Star Co. And I'm at, at Ms. Darlinghurst, MS Darlinghurst. Um, tell us if there's any specific questions that you'd like to be hearing, anyone that you want to hear from. Um, if you are a maker or creator yourself, get in touch. We'd, um, we'd love to hear from you. 
Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.